Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Right on Track Podcast, wherever you are in the world. Uh, I'm Marvin, also known as Thank You Be Well, and I'm here joined with three lovely guests of mine. Hi, my name is Jaden, uh, otherwise known as JadenD247. Uh, I'm known for doing scratch building and uh, various things with HO scale models. Uh, I also do face animations uh, here and there, and pretty much all around for any type of project. All right, my name is uh, John John the Dude. I am, I guess, known for gauge one modeling. I had a lot of terrible experiences with everything else. So I believe that this Thomas adventure I'm going on with everyone involved is the way I see the rest of my time going. So looking forward to the ride. What's up, guys? Boy. Um, I'm a YouTuber. I make a lot of models. Um, I guess I'm known more for specifically that, uh, making content, uh, making different customs, and uh, calling Thomas Agenti one time. That was uh, embarrassing. But uh, yeah, that's really all I do. And today we're going to be talking about an episode that almost got ranked perfectly by Right on Track, but I think wrongfully did not. Um, unlike Put Upon Percy, which got Full Stars is recognized as the masterpiece. It is um, Cranky Bugs, an episode that we are going to be talking about shortly. Um, almost got that, but was robbed. And I don't know about everybody else, but um, I'm going to be defending that today. So let's go ahead and jump into the clip. That evening, a big storm raged across the island. Cranky and the engines were trapped at the docks. We're sure to be safe in this shed, said Duck. But he was wrong. The engines had no idea they were about to be put in great danger by an old tramp steamer. It was out of control and running aground straight into the sheds. the engines from inside the shed i can't called cranky Alrighty, everybody so coming off the clip for our podcast viewers what you just heard was um a rogue tramp steamer um it is a stormy night at brendam docks and that same tramp steamer ends up running into the pier now on the pier is a shed with uh, several engines the engines end up getting not crushed but uh, stuck in that shed and cranky ends up falling over unable to help the engines in the shed and Ladies and gentlemen, after hearing that, what do we have to say about this episode? Personally, it's a really great way of starting season five. Um, starts us off with a banger, in a way. Uh, the banger being Cranky falling to the ground. Um, starts off with beautiful visuals and uh, starts off with a interesting problem of Thomas and Percy feeling like funny enough little bugs as this episode is cleverly named um and they eventually uh have their karma cranky ends up getting his karma in the end by getting knocked over by the tramp steamer and learns 
oh hey these guys aren't that bad uh they're actually really useful in a way and i wouldn't be right side up if it wasn't for them and uh, i find that really clever that they used something as tall as a crane to show that the littlest things can help out in many different ways yeah, kind of building off of what you said, Jaden, um, when it comes to season five as a whole and uh, how you said uh, introducing season five, I describe that as the, I know it gets a lot of hype. It's definitely what some would argue the most overrated season of all of the classic ones. But I personally think that that happens for a reason. And Cranky Bugs was the perfect introduction to that. It's uh, more complex problems than really anything we've seen up until this point. I mean, I'm sure there are Cases people could argue in, oh, this episode had super serious stakes. And yeah, you're right. You know, there are examples. Um, but I do think tying into an ep- a season that represents so much real world issues in a way, like things that, like, let's be honest, like if we're kind of coming off of Cranky Bugs, but into the season as a whole, like put upon Percy, we almost see him die, um, get crushed in a mine. When we come back to Cranky Bugs, uh, we see engines we think it cr- we see we, we don't really know what happens to cranky when he falls we don't know if the engines will get saved we don't know if the pier is going to break and they're going to fall in it's it brings on a new tone other than oh i left my train behind oh this happened there's a james lost his brakes like those are all issues but we get a more dynamic look into what could happen on sodor and i wish that was carried but it just isn't into other uh seasons as well yeah it's funny that um Going back on Jaden, where he said that, uh, you know, like the the cranky calls him little bugs. It's really funny in this episode how the bigger engines like sympathize with cranky. It's I always found that very interesting as a kid. It was just like they were like, oh yeah, you you know, telling telling the ends of smaller engines like you know they need a lot of attention, like me and Gordon, uh, and James is like, you know, like you should see his perspective from the view above. That always struck me as a kid. I was just like, this is like the first. One of the first antagonists we have that's not an engine, which makes it pretty different, and um, it allows like a lot more of a lot. It allows a lot more of like the uh, I want to say like the bullying <laughs> in like the Thomas series, like to be more dynamic because it's a it's a giant crane. So it's like I imagine like you know how like the narrator's telling the story, but like literally if you were on the docks, cranky. And Thomas and Percy have to be shouting at each other because he's like all the way up there. So it's like it's almost comical. Right, he's intimidating. Up until this point, like just like Marvin said, like the the biggest issues I think the show had, or uh, not issues, but the engines had, you know, were the troublesome trucks, maybe Gordon or the diesel, you know, in arguing and stuff like that. Then comes this giant, all impeding crane that, let's be honest, Percy and Thomas can't really do anything to. They don't. They they helped him, but I mean, in the end of that episode, but there's. What what is Thomas and Percy, two steam locomotives, going to do against a giant crane that could just pick them up? And uh, I'm, don't tell Thomas this; it's a spoiler. But you know, we'll eventually send him down with a jet engine. You know, like, you know, just things like you know, like there's not. I think it's like like Marvin said; it's a very cool dynamic. Again, it, when it comes to classic series episodes, I honestly feel like they're either perfect or they're they're either perfect or they're mid. And I have to say that uh, season premieres of any show including Thomas, the first episode of the season should pretty much tell you, hey, what this season's going to be about and what you should expect. And Cranky Bugs delivers on that. It tells you that 
you're going to have some humor. You're going to have some action. You're going to have some crazy weather and night shots. You're going to have engines that are having problems that you've they've never had before, you know? They've never dealt with a crane before. They've never dealt with having their engine peers telling them that, hey, maybe you should see stuff from his perspective, you know? Interesting question, or th- something that I just thought about that uh, you just made me think about, John. Um, who came first to the dots? Was it Cranky or Big Mickey? Ooh. Oh, Big Mickey has always been there, I think. Uh, that that's a very good question um i think you can see shots of him in season two though because i never thought about that because the docs have always changed appearance throughout season one through four and then season five is really when the docs started looking the same throughout the rest of the show you know how do we feel about this this is the first episode of um, correct me if i'm wrong but this is cranky's first episode right yes so how do we feel about it being his introduction? Like, how do you, how do you guys feel about it laying the groundwork for who Cranky is? You know, he's not a bad guy, but he's not a good guy either. You know, he's kind of got like a... It, his name is his name is literally Cranky on the side of his head. So, like, I feel like they nailed that part. He's just grouchy, angry. I honestly feel like his his redemption was too... Did he ever truly get one, though? Did he ever truly get a redemption, though? I mean, all that really happens is he falls over and Percy and Thomas, because they're told to, pick him up. You know, like, maybe after that, I don't think he ever falls down again. I was just going to say, this is a secret PSA for getting along with your coworkers. Because at the end of the day, Sir Topham Hat's like, you know, you, you, you know, you got to learn to work together. And, uh, uh, you know, they pull him up and it's just like, he's just there all the time. So you just got to deal with it, you know, like as an engine. Like, right, right. Like for yeah. people who may be working in Kroger, that's that old janitor asshole who gives you the stank eye every time you're working the self-checkout or wherever you're at or produce. He's, you know, he's, he's just there. At the end of the day, he would help you if you needed help. You would help him if you needed help. But you just wish he would stop giving you that evil look and, you know, being passive aggressive for no reason. But he's old. You can't really do anything about it. Same situation here. Yeah, for the fact that he's going to be there, you might as well get along with him. You might as well. And my thing is, I don't think, I think near the end where Thomas and Percy helped pick him back up, I don't think it's for the fact that Cranky was grateful that he picked him up and, oh, it wasn't Thomas and Percy's choice. It was because they had to. I think it was for the fact that they even managed to do so because Cranky believed that they're, you know, little weak bugs. And for the fact that Thomas and Percy picked him up and was strong enough to do so is why Cranky gained a respect for them. I mean, if you also look at the shot, there is no way in hell those engines picked Cranky up and put him back in that position. So, I mean, I would be amazed. I'd be pretty grateful if they worked some magic like that for me. So I, I'm, I'm with Cranky. Wasn't there, wasn't there something pulling Cranky from, like up top like i can't explain i don't it. think uh, so because when you look at it i like, know it wasn't just that he falls sideways on the track right and the two but he's like the if they took the two lines like say thomas and percy were right next to each other and started pulling they would just start dragging him yeah that's what i'm that wouldn't pull him up unless they had like a pulley or something or maybe a boat that was pulling outwards and at the same time like well, I think we're getting a little too deep into this episode. I don't think David Mitten thought about this. Uh, like that's what I'm saying. There's, uh, hold on, I'm looking at the episode right now because well, Percy has a winch on him. And he pulls him up like that. Like, 
And there was the breakdown train. The breakdown train was involved. There, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's probably some way, like engineering way of getting this done very easily that I just don't know about. Yeah, so I think there was something pulling Cranky from an opposite end that was actually pulling him up. Harold, Harold's secret appearance. Yeah. I think the breakdown train has something to do with it. On the topic of David Midden, man, like David Midden and crew made this set so aesthetically pleasing. Like, to see the docks, oh, to see yeah. the docks super busy and super like packed with like all these little pr- tiny details with the crates, the barrels, you know, the rolling stock. I feel like the season five, like really, especially like coming in strong with the rolling stock game, man. Like I really love like all the stuff they're like ran- like Percy and Thomas randomly pulling like all these salt vans and these flatbeds. Like it's just so fun. Like I feel like they really yeah stepped their game up on the production. Yeah. Also, can I? Can I point out that Cranky is in a different spot at the end of the episode than he is in the beginning of the episode? You're right. So he's in a different spot in the daytime and in the nighttime. Oh, he is. You are yeah. right. That is a little he fast trivia there. Huh. Yeah, he's he, they switch positions. Like where how did he how did they move him? <laughs> exactly. That's that's one of the seven wonders of the world of Sodor. You never know how they move this guy. It's probably the same way that they planned on moving him to uh, Tidmouth. Was it Tidmouth? No, Napford in Magic Railroad. <gasps> because, because they said that they said that he was able to be dismantled and rebuilt in different places. Oh, okay. okay, that's awesome. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Cranky's head on like a flatbed or like a wagon? That is so funny. Either that or, um, oh yeah, I love that. that or... I would love to see an episode like that. Not only um, the the way. He could be dismantled um, in a way to where he can be transported to other places. It could be like industrial cranes that you see in cities nowadays. Um, you ever wonder how like some of them end up on top of skyscrapers or um, they just end up appearing in the middle of a construction site in a busy city? Um, sometimes the way I think of it, and I also think of it, Anytime I see him, I think of Cranky. I think um, the industrial cranes in the real world, um, they, it's like, um, uh, it's like those weird uh, lightsaber toys they sell nowadays. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're oh, talking true, about. Oh, true, 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 yeah. Where you, where you, I love this. Where you flick it out and little individual uh, tears start popping out. Yeah. So yeah. basically, it's like a nesting doll almost, but they all come outwards. So basically, uh, cranky or an industrial crane would collapse down into uh, one solid uh, piece, and uh, maybe from there they dismantle it in an easier fashion, or maybe then it could possibly be easy to transport. Let's say the main structure of or the main support structure of the crane gets transported while the um while the crane and the arm get transported separately um that's where i think that comes into play because it's interesting how um cranky just went from one area of the docks to another and that stood out to me as a kid because I remember thinking as a young child watching Cranky Bugs, how did this crane move from there to there? How the, what, 
how did this happen? Why are we still here? Just to suffer? <laughs> See, for me, the moment you brought that up, um, I started looking at the uh, Trackmaster Cranky, the uh, RC one, um, and it... I never thought about the prospect of Cranky being almost collapsible, like you said. And it looks like he's built in a way, Jenner, if you guys uh, want to look it up. It's the, I think it came out in 2006. It's the uh, really tall Trackmaster Cranky, came with Flint um, in a set. It almost looks like Cranky has the design to be compacted down like that. So I know a lot of people aren't fans necessarily of the idea of Cranky ending up, you know, in a Tidmouth or Knapford, like in a Magic Railroad. But I, think that's a prospect that it's almost criminal that that didn't make it into the show you know like i understand why they couldn't you know because that would have drawn out the runtime it would have definitely uh required some modifications to the model that they didn't want to make but it would have been cool to see that in some capacity at some point in the model series i think or even in the cgi series but we never got any idea of how cranky would be transported if he had to be you know yeah. Yeah, this is great. See, I love I love how we are all discussing the anatomy of Cranky. But moving on, let's go ahead and hit the climax of the episode. Um that shipwreck scene on the docks. I mean, that's crazy, right? Like this is the this is one of those rare instances in the classic series where we see um the Sodor boats, you know, the Sodor vessels and all that actually interacting with the island. And I don't know how they achieved that shot, but that boat crashing into the shed was just perfect and who can forget for our u.s listeners out there that alec baldwin i can't oh yeah frankie's yeah. true that is the best just like you said earlier man this it is, is overly this mean. episode was mitten flexing in almost every way he could yes he really had the cinematics down and i feel like that that encompasses almost all of this season like all of season five is nothing but david mitten saying watch me to Britt allcroft basically like he's she's you know anybody who said we might need cg for this we might need this this isn't possible i feel like he kind of laughed at them in the boardroom and then made these amazing episodes that even now still hold up like if i were to show these two like if i was like three or four watching this as a kid and i show this to a three or four year old now that intensity is still going to be there. They're still going to be like, wow, that, how the hell, this is, this is models. Like to me, it looked like a real boat as a kid. It still does, you know, even now with the illusion being broken as an adult, that these are gauge one RC models that anybody can 3d print now, but you know, it's cool, you know, like to know that, you know, to know that they still achieved all that they did something that's so nowadays easily replicatable or done with CGI or done with, Things that you would never really see in uh, the classic model series of Thomas and Friends. Maybe Thunderbirds. Yeah. There's definitely some uh, inspiration from his prior works, I would argue. Right. And going back to what Marvin said, the interaction with the world um, or the island uh, from the vessels to the vehicles. Um, we see the ship running aground, crumpling up the pier into little wooden splinters uh which is beautiful when you it's beautiful but scary but uh watching the wood crumple at the size and power of this giant ship running aground straight towards a shed of petrified steam locomotives locomotives it's like wow yeah it, it truly gets the blood curdling because the fact that you're on the edge of your seat wondering, oh, are the engines going to be okay? Oh my gosh, the the boat's running aground? Well, uh, 
oh my god the shed's collapsing oh my god cranky's falling over it's i love that it's such an impactful scene that you are left in awe at what just happened and uh as you were saying and as you were saying tv uh that's where david min really came into play with how uh he made the crash look as a whole right from the the lowest camera angles to the lightning to uh the rain from a spray bottle all that sort of stuff it really makes this scene uh so impactful for the series to come if i may it's at this point i kind of want to come at a uh, tom denham just a little bit just a little bit the reason i think it's unfair that an episode for example and if you've been to my channel and you've seen my video on put up on percy you know i praise it like there's no tomorrow it's my favorite episode now i agree with him on and you guys on giving it a perfect rating when it comes to an episode like cranky bugs like after everything we've said um there are flaw like like we discussed earlier how did cranky end up at one part of the docks to the other there are plot holes there are things that don't make a lot of sense that are you could argue and i've seen people argue before that the entire episode itself is rushed and that's only saved by beautiful cinematics and to that i say watch the rest of season five you could say that about everything else but where i disagree in this not having a perfect score is even despite that even despite that, it lays a perfect groundwork, like Johnny said, for the season to come, for the episodes to follow after that. Sure, you could argue that Put Upon Percy had more of a fulfilling story. Like, uh, you saw everything that happened in... It was all visualized. You saw the trucks crash. You saw... And I'm sorry to keep going back to that episode. It's just the one thing that... One that I know had the highest scoring um, and is the most easily relatable to this, in my mind. Um, you see everything happen in that. Like you could say the same thing about this episode. Maybe not Cranky getting picked back up, but you see everything you need to. You see the ship coming into contact with the pier. You see the engines in fear. You see them getting uh, crushed on the dock. You see um, the, well, not crushed, but covered in the shed. You see so much that it's, it could be, ar- like, it was, like, like Jaden said, it's scary. It could be argued to some, Oh, this is not good for much. You know, some want to be amazing, you know, crazy white mothers that this is uh, too much even for a kid. Um, I argue, I think that I think it's just where it needs to be. You know, like I think it is the perfect amount of intensity mixed with redemption, mixed with payoff mixed with it's just it's right where it needs to be and to give other episodes the excuse of being rushed like saying like i said put upon percy we may see everything but it doesn't mean that we have to see it all within five minutes take all of that in and oh he's just fine he he got saved by a canvas barrier it's the same thing here oh cranky's just fine he gets saved by thomas and percy or whatever else you can't give lenience to other episodes and then not to another one so if you're gonna give put upon percy like i would a perfect rating i think you have to kind of lean that out into other episodes as well like for example cranky bugs you could say the same thing i would argue the same thing goes with uh, james and the trouble with trees but we'll we, we won't get into that right now so on that page i'm gonna have to switch the points to ratings like going back on what you said like i think yeah uh this is a solid 10 for me this is a kickoff to the season especially being younger in that 
era growing up, and this is new episodes. So I'm going to have to give it a 10. Um, Jaden, what about you? Uh, for me, I'm going to have to give it... I'm going to have to give it a 10 as well. Uh, John, how about you? Eight. Eight. eight for me. An eight. Eight. Interesting. If I might ask, what is it that gives that, you know, stopping you from giving it the perfect 10? Perfect 10, mainly because of, one, the inconsistency of where Cranky is, and two, uh... Again, it's another one. It's one of those episodes that set the groundwork for what's better to come. So, you know, so it's good for what it is, but it's not. It's not the best. It's not the best of season five. Right. The ten that ten ranking is for at least two or three other episodes that come after it. Interesting. That's true. You know, kind of not to go back on my point fully, but kind of in what i said you you know i don't want to it almost applies you would have to do the same thing to every episode in season 5 so don't take my disagreeing with tom as in like a every episode you know from this time is perfect because just because david mitten flexed and did well and made very unfortunately it's the same thing with thomas and the magic railroad being beautiful does not save a complicated story it does yeah. enough to some people and i'd have to argue i'm one of those people you know like it's the, the that's saved by to me the beautiful cinematics and it's it's cool to finally you know talk to somebody who the consistency you know i i, I personally gave up on consistency a long time ago with the model series because i don't know if you guys have watched the unlucky tug uh Matt video on that it's just not it's not consistent at all um and it's very hard to keep up with so i i find it hard to fault a single episode and not fault the entire era you know what i'm saying but I, i'm curious how like marvin how do you feel about that i mean i I, lo I love your passion though boy like it's awesome so um yeah your rating i guess i can guess it's a solid 10 right tb yeah it, at that rate it's a 10 i'd have to say mine's probably a 10 out of 10 i could definitely see where People would disagree. You know, I can agree with that in a, a lot of ways. But if I'm I'm not going to push personal bias out of the way, I guess, on this one, I'll give it a 10. All right. 10, 8, 10, 10. Moving on to the next episode, it's Double Teething Troubles. Now, briefly, this episode is introducing a new Diesel to the season. And in the clip that we're going to show you, we're going to uh, take a look at how the new Diesel has a certain teething trouble and it's been uh, a game of telephone on Sodor on what exactly teething troubles is meanwhile Sir Topham Hatt was having doubts about his own decision I hope the new diesel doesn't cause even more confusion he's bound to have teething troubles and he was right oh my grease and oil I wasn't expecting this hill Oh, what's that? Boko came to the rescue. Sorry, said the Diesel. I'm all hot and bothered. I've got teething troubles, you know. Wow. As a new Diesel on the island, I don't think it's a pretty good first impression to be breaking down before reaching the working site. You know, I honestly hope that this breaking down thing is a one-time occurrence and it doesn't happen again. Let, let's see what happens. Sure, it's not gonna. It's a one-time thing. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's not gonna bite him in the butt later. No, it, it has to be. It has to be. Yeah, this totally isn't based off of a real uh, locomotive class that actually broke down. 
multiple times throughout its working life. Uh, totally not. All right, left, you nerd. All right, moving on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of the best in class. I know that. <laughs> well, it's funny that you bring that up, Janine, because he is based on a diesel, a uh, Class 17 Paxman diesel, to be specific, and they were notorious for breaking down. Interesting. Um, but let's be nice. Let's be nice. How can you not love that face? I mean, he has the most friendliest face in all of Sodor. This is my best friend right here. Like, I don't know, man. Like, the moment I see him sad and frowning just melts my heart. I, I don't know. I don't know. See, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever watched uh, Samurai Jack, but you know, like, the wooly creatures that talk very deeply? Like, he, he, he has the same face as they do. Um, and it's just cute to me. I agree with Marvin. It's very, like, uh, he, he's one of those characters that, like, when you see him on screen, he just takes it. He captures the whatever event's taking place. Bye. Yeah, this episode, honestly, has a lot of potential because we have a character here, brand new. He's a diesel, and he's got a motor issue, right? An engine issue, to be specific. And um, to me, as a kid, this was always, like, I don't know, man. Like, we were growing up in the era of PSAs, and, um, you know, um, these uh, awarenesses uh, growing up to, like, kids who are different. It, it was everywhere. Like, PBS, Epsimi Street. So this kind of called to me, man. Like, this had a lot of potential, especially when Derek, who, here, another fun fact, is not named at all. He's just the new Diesel, which is another thing. But, like, this had a lot of potential because, well, quick summary, right? So, basically, Bill and Ben working hard in the uh, quarry. You know, I imagine Boko's not always available, so Sir Toppen Hat does the most logical thing. Gets an engine. Help him out. And, you know, this guy has a problem with hills. So, to me as a kid, you know, like, basically the, the summary is Derek helps out. Derek breaks down, and Bill and Ben have to finish the job and learn with this guy. Because it's almost like, I don't want to say it's, it is, but it's almost like a handicap. And, like, growing up, there's kids who are different and who can't, you know, perform the same the same, you know, uh, activities as the other kids had. So this, to me, this is always like a potential character to like, hey, this guy's different. Try to work with him, you know, kind of thing. He has his strengths and he has his weaknesses. And Derek can't help it that his engine is like a weakness. And that's it's always been relatable, like growing up. It's just like, you know, like, uh, especially for me as a kid, it's like I couldn't play all this, the, the really crazy sports. But like my friends still like, try to work with me, you know, and like this is why I like, I related to Derek so much. It's just like interesting as a character. And then it's so sad that he never got mentioned again. So it's like, or, or even like uh, appeared again. And we all know the shenanigans with the Paxman confusion and the calling all engines cameo. But it's just like, this guy had so much potential. He was basically like diesel version of season one. Henry, yeah. you know, he's always sick and stuff. Yeah, I could see that. I never really thought about the relation of him to Henry, but it is a, that's solid. That's very you know, solid. I've honestly watching this episode as a kid. I always had I want to say a different outlook on it, but I never realized how much of a relatable figure that Derek would have been to any kid or parent or pretty much anybody watching the episode. I, I never really looked at it like that until you mentioned it. There's a lot of episodes that I can name that pretty much a lot of kids can relate to the character more on a personal level rather than, hey, I see myself in Thomas's shoes or Percy's shoes because we have the same character traits. But a character with certain handicaps that, you know, 
can't do things that other characters can do because of something that they can't help. Yeah, that's something I never really thought about. Yeah, it's just, like, really interesting because, like, we get the same thing almost, like, not too stray too far, but, like, with Harvey, how he's different looking. And, you know, like, you got to, it's, it's. I think it was, I don't know if this was the motive behind it, but, like, if it was, I mean, Mitten and crew would have been geniuses to bring that into, like, the world of Thomas because it's just, like, you know, we're not all the same. Yeah. We all are different. And, like, I think Derek would have been perfect in other stories where, you know, he can prove his triumph to, like, you know, he can work hard and he has his strengths and his weaknesses and he can learn to put that into play. And I really felt like his attitude towards the twins with, you know, he's like, you know, you guys take the front and I'll take the back and we'll go from there. Like that jolly attitude just makes him even more like lovable. And it's just, just like, this guy's here to play. This guy's here to work. He's here to, to play by the book, play the team. And it's just like, Oh, so much potential lost, gone down the drain, man. Like, can you imagine like, you know, like all these other stories we could have gotten and I think, like, as an audience, like like I said, bringing it back, like, a lot of kids can relate to this kind of character knowing that, you know, they're different and they what their limits are and, like, what they're good at and what their strengths are. And this is a fun little playful way to put it. Like, oh, he's got a motor issue. You know, he can't do hills. Yeah, to, to go off what you said, when Derek first met Bill and Ben and they're going to go tackle the train, it's that one thing that did stand out to me as a kid, how we're usually shown diesels wanting to be better than steam engines and even not even just diesels. Every character wants to be at the front of the train. Who wants to be the back engine? But when this new diesel, this nice diesel comes out of nowhere, meets these two steam engines that are significantly weaker and smaller than he is. And he's like, let's do this. I'll tackle the back of the train. You two tackle the front. Let's go like that. That as a kid, that really, that really made me, wide-eyed and want to see the end of the episode you know i've never seen a diesel openly say on his own term like yeah i'll be the back engine that's that stuck out to me as a kid if anything um to go off what you said john um in a way i see um when derek is saying oh you guys take the front and i'll push from behind he wants to be the back end uh sort of thing where he doesn't want to look like he's uh all high and mighty even though he's a very friendly diesel he the way i see it he wants to still give the steam locomotives as if let's say later down the thomas universe timeline um steam engines would later be extinct even though that would never happen on sodor the Instead of being a diesel that's just like, oh, you're all going to be scrapped. I'm gonna, We're all going to replace you. Derek already knows he's kind of in a bad spot where he has a lot of teething troubles or has a lot of bad issues going up hills. He, he knows that he's not doing too well and he doesn't want to jeopardize himself even more by bragging about himself like his appearance his uh his strengths uh because the way his whole uh character and the locomotive that he is he feels that he has a lot of uh weaknesses and i feel like he doesn't want to show himself as a high mighty character like uh like whatever the strongest locomotive is uh in the whole show 
diesel 10 uh class 40 any of those um they he just wants to show that at least he's willing to help them one way or another while trying to be his friendly self but not trying to show him everyone that he's the bragging type and ends up screwing over his chances even more of staying on the island or his locomotive class being kept alive it's a bit dark but uh i will say that's how i see it in a certain light it would have been very bad if he was a cocky diesel he said hey let me take the train let me head the train and a few miles down the line he ends up breaking down after just you know gloating and boasting about himself ends up making a fool of himself uh, I feel as if he's a bit, bit self-aware for that point. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this episode, I feel like I'm one of the few people who, uh, I don't not like it. It's a, it's a good episode. I love Derek as a character. I dislike this episode for that reason. Or maybe not dislike it, but I, eh. When you look at what could have been, like, for example, everything Jaden just said. Everything you guys have all just said of what could have been, or... What could be argued should have been, you know, like they, I think the dynamic of or the this is the severity of his engine class and him being sent off Sodor or grabbed as a whole is a serious one. That's something that later on and in some situations before they weren't scared to show. Derek is a very in that is a dynamic character. He could stand for a lot, represent a lot of people, and they chose just not to do anything else with him. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. He doesn't come back after this, does he? Like, maybe for background shots, but I don't think he ever has another appearance, period. And that is, you know, for me, that's kind of defining of the episode itself. It's like, here's all this potential. Don't worry about it, though. It's never going to come back into play. And I, I don't know. I don't like that fact. That's something that uh, I can't fault with other episodes. It at least comes back into play in some other way. So, unfortunately, this is not one of the episodes I would argue like if I were to if I were showing someone like brand new episodes, this I would not or someone who's brand new to Thomas and Friends uh episodes, I would not show them this one because on the chance they do like that character too bad. You know, I did and I never saw him again. You know, and it's that, that's something that never really resonated well with me. I never liked that even as they did it into later series. Like bringing back a character or selling a character through merch that means nothing. You know, like what's the point? You know, well besides for merch. And I don't think anybody feels great about that fact alone. So I don't know. To me, this episode's just, uh, it, it ended up being a way for them to sell a new wooden railway item. And that's it. Buy all the Derek toys. Buy them all. That, exactly. That's it. it were there, was there ever another Derek toy besides the wooden one? There's the Ertle. There was the Makiyoshi. There was the Bandai. I mean, I am the Derek collector. So there was a lot. Yes. That is true. Um, but I mean, if you look at uh, this isn't I mean this is not no shade to those brands, of course. But uh, he, they he never got representation in what I would argue, maybe the more serious brands are. Like if you look at Trackmaster, Tomy, uh, Take Along, Take and Play, D two six freaking one got me <laughs> a long model, but Derek didn't. That I don't know. To me, that just never made sense. It just never sat right with me. The fact that if I want to make a custom one in anything, it's a pain in the ass, you know, like it's, it, you know, 
You know what I'm saying. Six-year-old me is writing an angry letter to uh, Ghislaine and Hit and Mattel or whatever. We're not getting those. Yeah. But fun facts about this episode. Um, this is the only time Bill and Ben come out in the fifth series. Interesting. It's the only time you see Bill and Ben. I never thought about that. So I thought that was a great pairing with Derek. Bill and Ben. Every time you watch a Bill and Ben episode, it's always a good time. I, I believe that. Right. A Bill and Ben episode is always a good time. Um... You know, our uh, the other guys covered this, uh, but uh, Boko, last speaking role, last appearance, special, right? Boko's gone from here. Mr. Boko. Which is another reason why I, I don't know, that, that for me is another reason why this episode is not much more than a honeypot, if you know what I'm saying. It's just, uh, here's what you could have had. Here's a very cool false reality. You know, like, I think it would have been so cool to see Boko maybe help Derek through Sodor. And like, if you want to stick around, like you need to get this figured out. Let me help you through these teething troubles. That would have been such a amazing dynamic. Probably would have made a lot better for, I don't know. That could have just added so much more to a future episode or season if they brought it back, but they just never did. And for me, that's just, that's just more fuel to the fire. Like could have been, but was not. Barry truck. If you're listening, please start taking notes. Thank you. Yep. And Derek only appeared in this episode and never came back until a cameo in the song of Calling All Engines. He's going up the hill, and that's it. He would have been in a CGI episode, but they were confused his name because they wrote Paxman with Paxton. So we could have had him in the CGI series, but that's what happened. Another thing, no, not to... Not to backtrack or anything but for this being boko's last appearance or i guess send off kind of sucked not even kind of like if this if we would have known at the time that was the last time like last time we ever would have seen boko it would not have sufficed like that's not a send off that's just he might still be around he might not maybe he got sent away with we don't even know if paxton is still on sodor probably not you know like you know i after the, that much teething troubles, it's, I'd imagine he's not. You know, I imagine he got sent away back to the other railway or wherever he came from. It might as well, the same thing might as well have happened to Boko at, the, at that rate. They, neither of them ever came back. It's like, it was like a send-off that did not suffice as a send-off, if that makes any sense. That makes total sense. All right, so with that, uh, ratings... I'm going to have to, I have a bone to pick with Connor. He gave this, I believe, a six, if I'm not mistaken. But, man, I mean, for for the introduction of a new character that we never see again, despite that all, like, I want to go, like, cinematically, this set, the scene where they're going down uh, the train, finally, or the rocky walls and stuff. Uh, shout out to Tank Merch on Twitter. They released the season five rush tapes, and you can see, like, the behind-the-scenes or they rigged the camera on a truck uh, facing Derek going down that whole set. I mean, that whole sequence is just fun. Like, seeing that long train being pulled, and then these two guys, we're led to believe that uh, Bill and Ben are pulling this broken-down diesel. It's just, and the whole thing with uh, introducing his character, and he's, you know, he's a big, giant sweetheart, has a couple problems, uh, and I just have to give this a 10. Like, it melted my, my, my sympathies, all my empathy mixed into one big ball of wholesomeness, and I Love Derek, and I'm gonna have to give this a ten. John, what are your thoughts uh, or the rankings for this episode? I am 
gonna have to say it's somewhere between a five and a six. I I have to say it's just because again, Derek, new character, so much potential, but and he never oh no, so much potential, he never showed up. But I felt as if he was a character that was created for the story, you know, kind of like how James was made for Thomas in the Railway series. But nobody says anything after that, you know, like James was a character for the story. Derek was a character for this story. You know, I felt like everyone involved in the story was. I, I don't even know how to put this properly. I felt like they were used for each other, you know. Right. Were they maybe like all built off of one? Yeah, kind of like help to add another dynamic to one another. Yeah, in a way. Bill and Ben would have never gotten praise if it wasn't for Derek breaking down. Derek breaking down, we wouldn't have never saw Boko. We would have never saw Derek after this episode. Well, no, we don't see Derek after this episode technically because he was just a device for the story. We only ever see him in background shots and cameos because, hey, we have another prop sitting on the shelf. We might as well put him on the set. So, I don't know. It's just the only thing going for it is the visuals and the story, which is is why I'm going to have to say a five, five or a six. I'll say six. I can respect that. (laughs) Um... John, John, please be careful when you open Open your mouth. Okay. Uh, Beware of any ticking sounds or miscellaneous smell. Yeah, I'll put on my uh, blast shield just in case. Just in case. Train boy, what is wait, what is your rating this episode? I want to agree with Connor and give it a six, but I want I'll give it a seven. I will go with a seven this time. Um, putting away the issues I did have with it previously, um, I can appreciate it for what it is. There are a lot of characters that I like and appreciate maybe more than other ones that only showed up for a single episode. Like, I really enjoy the idea of Proteus. Can't not like Proteus and then not like Derek. You know, like I like I said, you, you can't really be by... I'm trying to put aside my bias as much as I can. So I definitely won't give it the perfect rating, but I will acknowledge the fact that it is, for what it is, you know, being the send-off to Boko, um, which I think in that aspect kind of sucks, but... The dynamic of Derek and the little bit we did get with them was nice. So like a seven, like a seven. Sorry, that was a lot, a long answer for a a short <laughs> um, ending. You're breaking my heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A small price. To pay. I would make it an eight. It would most certainly be an eight. You if are. Derek came back. You two are not allowed in my Derek it's, fan club. It's a small sorry. price to pay for salvation. I'm sorry. I'll still make him engage one if we ever get the files, I promise. 100%. As homage. I'll hold you true to that. <laughs> that is a, give, me, yeah, I promise. give me the year 2025. I got you. Wait, Jaden, did you do your, your rating? Personally, uh, going against uh, John and Trainboy, respectfully, uh, I do respect their thoughts and uh, opinions on the episode. Wait, wait, wait. This is the shadow realm. This is the shadow realm. You don't have to say respectfully. You can yeah. say you're going against oh, us yeah. disrespectfully. Ooh, you can go against us disrespectfully. I understand. I'm going to go against uh, Train Boy and John John uh, disrespectfully because uh, how dare you like Derek. Um, um. 
Oh, yeah? Is it because I like Thomas and the Magic Railroad? Listen, man, you don't disrespect Magic Railroad around me. Um, I was okay, okay. We can agree on that. uh, As I do wish they had more stories with Derek in the fact that he had more story potential with other Diesels, like, let's say, Boko. Where Boko is more sympathetic towards Derek and wants to help him out and figure out what he's good at doing on the island and what other work he could do, um, see what other potentials he could have, maybe something that doesn't involve going up hills, um, that sort of thing. And I'd have to say, either way, the story does warm my heart as well. Uh, it's it, it was really fun seeing Derek as a kid and uh, going back on the episode now uh, as an adult, I still feel the sympathy of Derek as I did before. Um, and overall, the episode with its morals and um, its uh, teamwork with Bill and Ben helping out uh, get the train over the hill with a broken down diesel. it really shows that two little twins can be really powerful. Um, I'm going to have to give it a 9. Not fully a 10. I wish Derek had more potential, but that's not the episode's fault. That was merely the writers or the writing team. But uh, I'm going to have to give it a 9. All right. Quick thing before we wrap this up. Uh, Another reason why believe Derek is superior as a character is because he and Mavis share a very similar theme if you guys listen to that. Oh wow. Um very fun. Very fun. I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but they share almost identical in themes. Hmm. Uh, Derek's is a little jauntier rather than how smooth and orchestral you know uh Mavis theme is but they share this very similar theme which is very fun. I think it's very fun. Uh, I don't like Derek because he's not canon to the railway series. He's not an Audrey original character, and so he does not exist in the actual canon Listen, in which the Thomas and Friends canon exists. And so I will strike you with my wooden railway, Derek. Right. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, moving on to the next segment. Anyways. We got uh, up next. We have the musical interlude of the podcast. Jaden uh, is going to freestyle for us all. I'll lay. I'll lay down the beat. Lay down the beat. I got you. Today, you'll be listening to Salty Song, written and composed by Michael Donnell and Junior Campbell. You are listening to the Right on Tracks podcast. Enjoy. There's a dump site diesel we know well who can spin a yarn, who can tell a tale. He loves the sea and the ships that sail. Salty is his name. Thank you. 
Jeez, okay. You can unmute your uh, devices now and just put your headphones back on. That that terrible music is is over with now. So I just want to go out and say here, this that was terrible. I that beg was your awful. Pardon? I'm, I'm I'm sorry, but that that was that was butt cheek. Now I'm gonna that was butt cheek. I gotta come to Johnny's defense now. If we're talking about any themes, like any themes that came out of Thomas and Friends. Salty got the short end of the stick in the worst. The breakdown train and the viaduct got a better theme than Salty did wait, 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 in wait, this wait, wait, instance. Wait. Let's be honest. Boko got a better theme than Salty did. And I promise you, now, 85%, I, Boko fan, 85% so of the listeners right now don't even know Boko's theme. Come on now. That's a good point. That's a fair point. Going back to what Martha earlier about Derek. I'm going to strangle both of you. <laughs> where was Boko sorry, in, uh, you, but... where was Boko in the, uh, the great engine race with Vinny? Did he compete against Vinny or Henry? No. He doesn't exist. Ugh. Um, John, did you have any other parts you wanted to say? No, honestly, that's it. That, that theme is butt cheeks. Fair enough. I, I can respect it, but uh, this will be the... Uh, for the podcast how dare you salty's a good character listen i don't know if i want to hear uh marvin's thank you be bad side coming out right now but if we're talking about if if a theme makes a good character the viaduct is the best all right and i don't come on the breakdown train's the best character in that right you know i don't i don't know yeah yeah come on now the breakdown crane didn't have a face in the model series and never Either the divide up, that's, 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 because, that's because it's railway series accurate. Come on now. But you also got to think too. Does the viaduct have a face? It does. It's under It's under uh, brick number twelve hundred and eight. It has this little uh, chalk face that the children drew on it. 
Oh, hang on. I, I believe the canon ending of uh, Thomas and the Magic Railroad is Diesel 10 dies, and then he possesses the viaduct. So every time the engines go over it, they just hear a faint <laughs> as they're doing it. Oh, oh that actually right. has a name. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Enough with your AUs. Let's, let's, let's move on and have Jaden introduce this uh, god-awful episode. All right. Uh, ignoring uh, Marvin's uh, terrible statement, of what he just said um let's introduce the next episode salty secret uh the clip we are about to play is salty just after arriving on sodor uh he comes to the quarry looking for work and uh this clip it shows him hard at work singing a little song ah well salty said at least there'd be trucks you better mind them mavis said they can be a bother he won't last five minutes, said Bill. Those trucks will trip him up soon enough, said Ben. But to Bill and Ben's surprise, the truck seemed to give Salty no trouble at all. And the captain yawns. Yo ho ho, and a bucket of prawns, the tiller spins, sang Salty. And the captain yawns, sang the trucks. Thanks to Salty, Sir Topham Hatt's important job was almost done. Bill and Ben were surprised and a little jealous. Boy, yes. Oh, man. Hold on. Let me pop an Advil for this one. Okay. All righty. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, another generic sea shanty from another generic character. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so we see Salty. Uh, I suppose this is his quote-unquote secret. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so uh, the episode as a whole, uh, I'm going to act as if I didn't hear anything after the, uh, the clip we just played. Um, <laughs> Bill and Ben, uh, throughout the episode, they're having a hard time in the quarry moving the trucks around filled with stone. When Salty comes in uh, and starts to work, they notice that he moves the cars with ease and or the trucks with ease. And as uh, when Bill and Ben try it while singing a song, it does not work. Uh, They seem to not have any rhythm whatsoever. And he seems to be a bit more jolly with his uh, she shanties. And um, it when later transitions uh, uh, his work position. Um, but I love how uh, the smallest little thing can be a big secret that isn't quite apparent to the other engines. They, they just see Salty as if he's singing to get him through the, the day's work, um, make the day go by faster in a way. And uh, um, I love how trucks start to sing along with him and start having a good old time as if they forget about all the hateful thoughts they have towards the other engines on Sodor. Like, oh, let's run this engine off the rails. Uh, as soon as Salty starts singing, they're just like, oh, ha, 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 uh, let's start singing. Uh, what shall we do with the drunken sailor? Let's just start doing that. Yada, da, da, da. That's what I really love about this. Um, Salty connects in a way with the trucks 
in a way that no one else knows about where singing helps them behave in a way say because they're so distracted by the singing and the rhythm and having fun rather than having fun against the locomotives you know they have they all the trucks want to do is have fun you know yeah they have fun from either pushing the engines off the rails or sing a song so you see jake you do have a point like when it does come to the episode itself like uh there is quite a bit to it you know like uh the idea with bill and ben or their entire dynamic of uh not being able to get the trucks to do uh, what Salty can with the idea of singing. Um, I feel like you nailed it. You nailed uh, that. You nailed um, Salty as a whole or the character behind him, the suck on. Uh, you've got it all. But there's a couple things that I disagree with as a whole. Um, when it comes to Salty, when it comes to Salty, I can't say I dislike him as a character. For who he is and what he, you know, is meant to be, you know, a dockyard diesel. He sings a lot. He's meant to be like a pirate. That's cool. I just, I never was able to get behind it. Like, as cool as it is to think about that dynamic, like with uh, Salty being able to get the trucks to do more because he has a rhythm and he's able to get them to sing and focus through their singing or whatever. That, to me, is just, I don't know. It's a... Uh, I feel like there could be more to him than that. Like it, he can, he makes them sing and they suddenly behave better. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like they're troublesome trucks. Their entire purpose is to fuck with the other, you know, it, uh, the engines, anybody they can, any form of mischief. That's what they're there for. You mean to tell me it's as simple as getting them to memorize a couple Imagine Dragons lines? I don't think that's how that should work. You know, I don't know. To me, that just it's just a, it's a premise that's a cop out. It feels very easy to me, you know. And it's like I, I don't know. That's all Salty does. He sings to them, and they appreciate him more. Personally, I think his voice is kind of annoying. I don't. I think the trucks are kind of weird for that. Marvin, what if you like Salty? You know, I just I just want to address to the entire Thomas fandom community and. I really no. like Salty, and <laughs> I think he's very fun and silly, and and <laughs> and like his dynamic and his hard working. I, I you know, I, it's just like uh, he is a, he's just the best character ever, and he makes me so jolly. He makes me want to sing. That's true. Um, yeah, incorrect, incorrect. You thought wrong. I hate Salty. I renounce my love for Salty right here, right now. You heard it. He knows what he did to me. I hate him. No thank you be bad for Salty when I'm around the docks. So Marvin, uh, it's been a long time waiting. Uh, what do you think about the episode? All right. So this is the first time I'm going to say it here on the Ride and Track podcast episode. You'll never hear it ever again. I do not like Salty. I hate, I despise this guy because he, this is the break from the start. And mind you, this is just my opinion. You guys, if you want to block me, go ahead. My, uh, we'll, we'll say our socials at the end. <laughs> but this is just the start and the brink of where Salty becomes be stereotypically written as just, you know, the generic pirate character. And it continues full through the CGI series where, I mean, one is supposed to assume that it's just tall tales, but he, 
you know, he's just annoying with the, oh, I've done this and I've been on this ship and I've ridden the seven seas and this, all this stuff. And it's just like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, uh, there, there's so much more to you than just a, a sea shanty. Man, I, Marvin, I, I'm touched. I never thought you would ever, uh, I never thought you would ever love Salty. I'm really happy to hear about this. I'm really hot. Hear anybody? Does anybody I'm really rising? I I feel like I feel like there's a there's a wall of uh 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 that's starting to shake and crack a little bit. I I look. I have to kind of ride with my boy here. I, I, Salty is a cool character. He is cool, but he's not. He's also kind of annoying. I'm not gonna lie. Like he he's he's better as a supporting role. Your mind's so much better. Like. Tell me he's not better when he's telling Gordon you're too big for your buffers. And Gordon takes a tumble. <laughs> That's probably peak salty when he's just spitting some knowledge. I didn't need to hear him say... Like, if I wanted to hear that, I would just go look at a crackhead, like, not yeah. too far from, you know, like, in an alleyway, and just be like, hey, Shakira, I want to hear it. You know, sing me, some, sing, sing me something. And that, you know, boom. He reminds and me that, of, I'd get that same... He reminds me of the teacher that tries to be cool but fails terribly. Jaden, like I said, like, I'm not trying to just diss the things that you're thinking, but I have to disagree. Like, it's like, as cool as that singing may be, it, it's just not, it's just, it doesn't help him as a whole. And again, the Sugon, like, it just, it does not help, you know, especially the second one. It's just, I feel like I have to disagree with you the most there. The Sukon, it's just, it's too, my bad, I said it wrong. It's just too much, you, <laughs> you know. You guys are mean. <laughs> Yo, ho, ho, and a bucket of prawns. Wait, guys. That's just the way it is. Right, and let's also be real. No, he didn't. No, you did not ride on any. Sh I don't. I'm kind of happy they didn't explain what ship Salty rode on or like what piracy this man has gotten into because I don't want to see it. Like, to, I, I have to agree with you. It's kind of annoying. Like, I never understood why they had to make. And Salty kind of started this. Now that you mentioned that, Marvin. Towards the end, one of the biggest problems I always had with CGI, everything, was they made the engines anything but engines. Salty was where that started. Salt, it started with Salty. He's not a dockyard diesel. He is a pirate. And why? That makes no sense. No, he's not. <laughs> it does not add up in my head where that connect. Even be working at the dockyards, to me, is not enough of an excuse to be, oh, I'm a pirate. You know, like, where did that even come from? He, 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 okay, so he's uh, we known him as a dockyard diesel, and he ended up working at a quarry. Where did he work before Sodor? Do we know where that is? That ever touched on? No, because I feel as if he worked at a quarry before then. I know he got sent to the quarry when he first shows up in the episode, and he's like, "This is boo," and then you know, Sir Topham Hat's like, "Look." We can fix this. It gets fixed. He gets sent to uh, Brindam, and that's where he stays. But I also, I mean, he would have had to known upon showing up to the quarry that he wanted to go to the docks. Like, he wanted to be by the sea. So with that in mind, my theory would be he came from another dockyard somewhere else. Or what about Mavis? Mavis is also a dockyard diesel, but works at the quarry. Mavis and she doesn't. No, I could be wrong here. Railway series, I mean, not railway series, Pierce. Um, rail fans, uh, don't cut off my heads. Uh, take a shower uh, before you get, you know, anything. 
I had I believe, and I could be wrong, that that class did see use in Aries, though. I Jaden, I, mean, I feel yeah, like you yeah. might be able to help me out there if you know, but I think they did. Um, or in some cases, I don't think. I, I mean, at that point, you started. You would kind of have to question why, because it was Audrey who made that call. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, that's not really the show's fault. Mavis has always been the quarry engine. Well, yeah, because she always worked at the quarry. But we learn later on down the line when we learn more about Mavis is that she's also a dockyard diesel, but just doesn't mind working at the quarry. Now, when did that? I'm I'm I must not be familiar with this. When did when did when did Mavis come out as a dockyard diesel? Uh, it's or, in a, what, like it's in a few CGI episodes, and I think it's maybe two model series episodes that it's mentioned. But I can't tell you which one. It's 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 a one-off thing too. I know Thomas the Quarry. At that point, I have to question the canonicity of it. Like, uh, and also Jane, I don't not not to jump back, but do you know if I'm right there? Um, She's a class O three, right? Or class O eight? I thought those. Well, my bad, my bad. They def they saw use in quarries. I yeah, thought, or um... some did. I, I believe Class 08 uh, saw use in some quarries. And I believe if we were to go off, uh, going back to. Hmm? I thought a Class 08 was what Diesel was. I thought a Class 08 was um, like what Diesel was. Shoot, you might be right. Um, I think we're getting a bit sidetracked uh, with Mavis. Um, going off of what you said, though. Uh, uh, TB. As for the basis and where Salty originated from, Salty's bassist used to work at the uh, Southampton docks. Coincidentally, the same docks that Rosie's class and Thomas's class originally worked. Uh, Rosie being a Southern Railway USA dock tank and Thomas being the... Um, LBSC E2 locomotive. E2. Uh, the Class 07s um, had uh, or were used roughly around the time dieselization was coming into play. And I believe, in a way, uh, since Salty is based off of a real locomotive number, uh, or the, the same locomotive class with the same number, um, I, in my canon... I see Salty coming directly from Southampton Docks, coming to Sodor to work. Uh, Nerd. That's what Nerd. Salty uh, <laughs> originating from, in a sense. Um, I guess it's from the, the uh, to go off of what Marvin said, uh, and just the thoughts of Salty being that piratey kind of guy. I guess he's heard so many stories from so many people uh, coming in and out of the harbors um uh from his previous workplaces uh like let's say Southampton um i believe he probably uh heard so many stories from many different uh sailors and everything like oh i was sailing the seven seas and we caught a wicked storm we surfed those waves baby uh <laughs> It's that kind of thing where I think he learned so many stories and uh, heard of all these interesting tales of old um, where he kind of really enjoyed those kind of stories in a way to where he would later tell them uh, to many other. So he has a 
Salty is a ghost writer. He has a ghost writer and steals other people's content. He's the Carlos Mancia of Silverado, essentially. Oh. <laughs> is what you just laid out. He's the Carlos Mancia of Sodor. He steals other people's content and claims it Damn. as his own. This is really the Shadow Realm. This is like when a uh, Diesel D199 made that a uh, I'm gonna chuff, I'm gonna chew and like every fucking person uploaded it as a short. Uh, anyways, no um that's all good. Yeah, that was um, off track. My fault. Back on track. Back on track, right on track. <laughs> but Jay, I'm curious though. Did you like not to jump back on but what is your opinion now like after hearing what I've said, what Marvin said, what John said? Does it change or, you know, maybe you had any leverage on how you feel about Salty? Not saying we should change your opinion, but, like, what's your rebuttal, necessarily, to uh, the fact that it we think he's um, mid, now, I guess? Now, uh, I totally understand the uh, generic piratey kind of character that works by the sea. Um, hearing tales of old and being army hearties, I got to tell you a story of this old ship that crashed and sank to the bottom of the ocean uh of sodor um is very generic and it's i guess stereotypical um but uh in terms of the uh jolliness and uh the fact that he loves working by the sea um shows that he's like the hard worker of the docks as down by the docks would tell you um it's very common for people at the docks to keep traffic moving all throughout. Like, oh, we got to get this ship loaded. We got to get this unloaded. Uh, we got to keep track traffic moving or out, everything will grind to a halt. And uh, it really shows like his commitment to helping out on Sodor. Like they have so much good traffic coming in around the time Salty arrived. And uh, uh, he proved very valuable. And I guess... Uh, the fact controller uh decided oh the uh the other engines can't handle uh the troublesome trucks being a nuisance all the time and not really cooperating and i'm sure the fact controller doesn't want to put any more of his money deep in or i guess he doesn't want to deepen his pockets with the amount of debt he has to pay from the numerous accidents at the harbor or anywhere even though Salty did right. work at a quarry before the docks, uh, once Salty kind of arrived by pure coincidence, the other engines, along with uh, the Fat Controller, realized we got someone special here um, who really knows how to handle trucks and get them all moving. Uh, he's the hard worker of the harbor area, making sure he doesn't take anybody's back talk and... If anybody's all snooty like Gordon, uh, Salty has a fun way of snapping back in a way and right. getting people on their way and clearing up the dock side from being a mess. And that's where I see Salty as a really good character because he's a workaholic, basically. Right. But would you say you've at least changed on the Sukon? I mean, that I mean, after Marvin's point, you have to say that's pretty fair. Yeah, and um, Sukhan D 
motherfucker Salty sucks, all right? And he always will. I'm sorry. He's not a good character. It's not to cut you off. I've, I've been trying to do that these nuts joke for like an hour. Yeah, I, I know. I noticed home. that. I, I noticed that the first time. I was like, there's no way he's saying it right now. Finally. I wasn't going to acknowledge it. Train boy. Unacceptable. Train boy, you will, you will go to your shed now. No coaches. Shunts and trucks in the yard. Be like, hello? Uh, uh, fire department? No, fire really. Department? Please call the police. He, he seems to be hurt. Please. It should be 911. 911. Hello? Fire department? <laughs> uh, someone just got roasted? 911, he watched the entire Miller era. 911, he watched Salty Secret. Moving on. on to the uh, next segment. Uh, so, moving on, uh, let's move on to the rankings. Uh, I'm going to start off with a 10. It really introduced a new character. Bull, bull, bull. It, you're only doing that to trigger us. It really introduced uh, season six. Uh, albeit it was kind of the slow progression into what would follow uh, season seven to the hit era. Um, but I really do like season six personally to heart. Um, it's what I grew up watching. But to start off, it was kind of a more jolly season and it felt more calm the way the sets looked with the brighter lighting. It actually felt like everything took place during the day. And uh, it felt more, I mean, not to say that any other season didn't feel atmospheric, but to see Sodor from many different angles, like the the side angles of the seaside really stand out to me. And uh, I love the way that uh, Meadows engines are passing really far away from the camera you really get that sense of scale as to how big the world is and uh, salty secret kind of started it off uh not only introducing a character that would later become one of the main staples in the thomas universe but it, it hit it hits a lot different for me because uh season six being the one that i watched the most um it was a nice episode to start with uh, so it'll be a 10 from me. Um, John, what are your thoughts? I never thought about I never thought about that dynamic from before. Like what, what you said, like the shots of it. I was thinking more specifically Salty and him as a whole rather than the visuals of the episode itself. Right. Not to not to just jump back on that factor uh, or jump back to that because I think that would be a kind of pointless or in backtracking, but it's worth acknowledging at least, you know. Right. So thank you for that. That was uh, something that I feel like everybody kind of forgot to touch on. Right. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? Uh, again, let's see. This, is, this episode was a season introductory episode, right? You know, I like seasons. This episode, I like this episode mainly because, um, you know, no. Yeah, yeah, there was this one thing that I liked in the episode. No, uh, no, no, uh, let's see. <laughs> Actually, no, Salty's character, be- no, wait, hold on. He's trying. You know, okay, so there's this, there's, one, there's this one scene in the first episode, because of the set, it looked, no, uh, the lighting, it, mm, uh. The model work, the, um. The model work, yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the, the themes the that played in the background. 
I'm going to be honest. <laughs> three out of ten. Three out of ten. That's higher than Ma- I thought. Only thing I, only th- uh, yeah, three out of ten. Only thing I like about the season entirely is the way the new chassis look on Percy and Thomas and the sound effects. Because those sound effects, they fe- they don't feel real, you know? It feels different. They feel like they were uh, man-made, you know? And it has this weird, this weird crunchy feeling to it that like the chuffing sounds and the buffer hitting sound, like, I don't know. I like the sound effects and that's, um, that's pretty much it. So the three out of 10 is for season six as a, as a whole? Uh, the, mainly the okay. episode, the first episode, but the first episode does define the rest of the seasons. So. Uh, Train Boy, what's your thoughts? Now, I didn't take into account, um, like you said, uh, the aesthetics of the episode. So that is, um, and I apologize, everybody, for my previous rant. Uh, unfortunately, going to come a little bit into play. I can't lie, the episode is a pretty one. And it is, uh, you know, it's got shots in it, like you said, that, are very sh- that show off the countryside, show off the docks. And that's one thing that you can attribute to Salty, even if you don't like his character. You get the docks. And if... Even if you don't like him, and you you got who doesn't like any shot of Brindam, you know, or it's 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 just always fun. So with that being yeah. in mind, I'm gonna give this like a four out of ten. Like we'll give it a four. Um, I would say five. Um, hell, I still might even no. I'll I'll go four. I'll I'll go solid four. It's got very good aesthetics. Unfortunately, I can't say there's much past that that leads me into it. Like again. I'm trying to look at this all through. If uh, I was showing someone Thomas for the first time, that would almost certainly not be an episode I would choose. Right. And finally, we have Marvin. Uh, Marvin, what is your ranking on Salty's Secret? Well, it's no secret that I would rank this pretty low. (laughs) But accounting towards my unbiased opinion towards Salty... I'm going to give this a five because of the, like we touched upon, we mm-hmm. don't spend enough time in the quarry and they beautifully done the quarry. Just so aesthetically pleasing. Like it's very nice. We do get some nice nighttime shots in the quarry, which we rarely see, you know? And besides my undisputed rivalry with Salty, um, I'm going to go ahead and like I said, pick it a five because this, does enter a new era in series six and i feel like the sets have just never lost their game and their touch so i'm gonna give it a five all righty uh that was that i thought that was gonna go yeah i wasn't expecting a five um already uh now with that out of the way uh let's do some self-promotion uh for all of us uh so like I said um, at the beginning, my name is Jaden, uh, otherwise known as Jaden D two four seven. I'm on YouTube and Twitter, uh, and barely Instagram. Uh, but feel free to follow me. On those uh, the the username is J A D A N D two four seven. A lot of people have trouble spelling my name, so that's where I figured. Uh, I'd spell it out, but uh, Marvin, please feel free to shout yourself out. Hello, everyone. If you still want to be my friend after my salty secret review, 
You can find me on Twitter. I am known there as at thank you be well. And I am also on Instagram as Marvin's Signal Box. Uh, rele- uh, relatively speaking, towards the name on my Instagram, I am working on a series about uh, the POV signalman who always gets blamed for stuff on Sodor. So if you want to check that out and updates on that, that'll be on Instagram. John, you want to go ahead? Uh, I've got a YouTube, a Twitter, and an Instagram all by either Tank Engine John John on YouTube and Twitter and John John the Dude on Instagram. And I guess Twitter, since Twitter has like two names you can search me by. Upload Thomas content, mainly modeling stuff on Twitter and my very, very, very spicy takes. Uh, And I save all the pretty much professional looking pictures for Instagram. YouTube, it's the same as Twitter, honestly. Go follow me there if you'd like. That's all I've got. And that brings us to Trainboy. The well-known. I have been Trainboy. You can find me on YouTube at just uh, Trainboy, capital T, capital B. I have a Instagram and a Twitter at It's Trainboy. And if you want to see my videos or uh, model work, anything like that early, I have a Patreon at Trainboy uh, P-R-O-D uh, Productions, just not the full word. You can find that at uh, any link on any of my socials. So uh, check that out if you're interested. But I'm afraid that's it for the first installment of Right on Track's brand new era. Ah, what is that? The, the, the door's opening. It's an intruder. Um, what are you all doing in here? <laughs> uh, we were just looking after the podcast. Just, just for one episode. Just, just for one. You, you were thinking you could take over, didn't you? Could shadow realm people. Could have, not on my watch, okay? Just as well I had the spare key. Now get out of here. Oh, man. I really like this chair. Out. No, that's my chair. Out. Okay. Bye. That's better. And now we're back to normality. I apologize for any inconvenience that has been to our podcast feed. Rest assured, myself, Harry, Lachlan, and Denim will be returning to next week. Adios, guys.